Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to share your word this evening. We ask that we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. We can comprehend clearly as we build and see the mysteries of Christ clearly explained to us. And we say our minds can grab it. Our heart is fixed on your law. Our minds are stable on your grace. In the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. All right. We want to study what we call the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life, and um, we want to see what some of the things that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And one of those things is the gift of eternal life. And there is something I want you to know: anything that goes that God gives us through Christ, we don't have to pay for it. You look at your Bibles. Let's turn to John three sixteen. John 3 verse 16, we want to go and see something very clearly there. John 3 16. It says, are we there? John 3 16. It says, and, um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So as I said, anything that God gives us through Jesus Christ is free. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to fast for it. We don't have to even pray for it. Because the love, because love is what he did, not what he said. And what he did do, he says, he gave himself. So look at it, he says, for God so loved the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And love is in what he did and uh, not what he said. So I one thing about the incarnation is that God became a man. I wonder if you have heard the concept of incarnation before. I actually have a series I thought you can lay your hands on that, on the incarnation. The incarnation is what God, is, is what God did by becoming a man. So God became a man and that is the incarnation. So, he wasn't born. If you look at John 1 verse 1, let's go there. John 1 1. Jesus wasn't born. Look at John 1 1. It says, In the beginning was the world, and the world was with God, and the world was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So he pre-existed before the world. He wasn't born by Mary. A lot of people have the concept that Jesus or God was born by Mary. No, he wasn't born by Mary. He was incarnated in Mary. Jesus was incarnated in Mary. He wasn't born by Mary. So, and God, because what happened in Mary's womb is that God and man was fused together in the womb, in Mary's womb. God and man was fused together in that womb. So Mary didn't give birth to Jesus. Jesus or Jesus or God was incarnated in the womb of Mary. Look at Matthew 1. Matthew 1. Let's go to Matthew 1 verse 20 to 21. Matthew 1 verse 20 to 21. Matthew 1 verse 20 to 21. Look at it. It says, 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou the son of David, fear not to think unto thee, Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 21. And ye shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So Jesus pre-existed before Mary. Because if you look at that John 1 we saw, it says, In the beginning was the word. Who was that word? Who was that word? God, God right? So that's just in the beginning, God has always been. So what happened in the womb of Mary was the incarnation, that is, God becoming a man. So now look at Isaiah. Look at the prophecy that Isaiah gave in Isaiah 4, 7 verse 14. Look at Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall, name, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Look at Isaiah 9 verse 7. Isaiah 9 verse 7. Look at the prophecy that Isaiah gave us touching the birth of Christ. He now says, of the increase of his government, uh, you know, that is Isaiah should be Isaiah... Uh, Okay, yeah, Isaiah 9 verse 6. Look at Isaiah 9 verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and the increase of his government, and the peace shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom in order to in order to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So you see, it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So, Jesus, what happened in Mary, like I said, is an incarnation of God and man, that is, God becoming a man. But he has pre-existed even before Mary, because Mary was given birth to by a man. And you know, Mary, uh, Mary giving birth to Jesus was not true. Um, the normal, um, normal birth, or it was uh, an incarnation. Look at Micah five verse seven, the Old Testament. Micah five verse seven. Micah five verse seven. Micah 5 verse 2, sorry, not 7. Micah 5 verse 2. Are you there? Alright. It says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that this to be the ruler in Israel, 
whose going forth shall be from old everlasting. And therefore he shall bring them up and he shall travel it. And she that travel it at bring forth, then the remnant of the brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. So you find that even in the four gospels, there was a point Jesus told them, the people listening to him, he said, before Abraham, I am. That's to let you know that even God has pre-existed before the foundation of the world. And Jesus was said in the scriptures to be the firstborn. And why was he the firstborn? Or he was the first to be born again. We can simply say Jesus was the first to be born again because he was identified with sinners. What Jesus did he was, was that he was identified with sinner. We can simply say he was the first to be born again because when God raised him from the dead, he was born again. And now, notice, why did I say that? The scriptures made us to understand in Colossians 1. Let's go to Colossians 1 now. I want to show you scriptures today just so that you can, just so that you can have a, you can have a foothold of a lot of things as touching your reality in Christ, as touching what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Look at Colossians 1. Look at, let's start from verse 14. It says, You know, we have the redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation? For by him were all things created, which are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominion or principalities of power. Look at verse 17. Or let's, let's, let's look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from where? The dead. Are you seeing that? In verse 17. The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he might have preeminence. So Jesus became the firstborn from the dead. We can simply say Jesus was the first one to be called born again because he was the first one from the dead. Look at Revelations 1 verse 5. Revelations 1 verse 5. Are, we, are you getting tired of scriptures already? <laughs> Revelations 1 verse 5. He says, and from Jesus, who is the faithful witness, the first and the what? The first begotten from where? From where? Yeah. From where, guys? From okay. where? The from dead. the dead. So, he was the first begotten from the dead. You read in Acts 13, verse 30 to 34 too. You see that the firstborn. So, what does that firstborn mean? You know, in our English word, when they say firstborn, how many of you are firstborn here? You're the firstborn of the Bible. Here you're the firstborn. You're the first one? What, 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 what number are you? Are you sisters? You're the third? Wow. You're the youngest? Awesome. <laughs> Alright, me, I'm the first. So now, you know, what happens in, in the normal tradition is that when somebody is the firstborn, it's as though he has brought out a pattern of how children should look like. And you see, parents can simply say, uh, uh, is the firstborn, is your firstborn a female or a male? Um, no. A male. So, you know, there's a culture that everybody celebrates and say, oh, we give birth to a male child. Oh, this is a boy. Everybody's happy. But when you say get they're like, ah, I always want to get it. Does it happen to you? <laughs> All right. Now, 
All right, I was just joking. All right, so when it says a firstborn, it means first fruit. That is the best, the proof of an harvest. That is what the firstborn means. It means the first fruit, the proof of an harvest, an increase, and the resurrection proved that. So when Jesus rose from the dead, that shows us a pattern. In the Greek, it's called prototokos. It means a prototype song. That is, this is the sound, or this is the pattern we will model after. It's just like um, when you want to have, um, when you want to build or you want to taste a product, they will first give you a sample, right? If you want to taste the sewage sample, and that's the sample every other one will model after. So with that sample, you can simply say, this is how this is going to model after. So now, what Jesus did by raising, for, by him being the firstborn, he shows us a pattern of which we are going to model after, right? Is that correct? So he shows us, so it's not going to be that we are the 700th born or 1 millionth born or we are the youngest, no. What he showed us by him being the firstborn from the dead is going to be, he's showing us a pattern, he's showing us a model style of which we are going to follow after. Does everybody understand that? All right, now, so you look at in Romans 8. Let's look at Romans 8. Romans 8. We are going to build on the scriptures just so that we... One thing about the scriptures is that it helps us to understand and to make sure that we are on the safer side. Look at Romans 8 verse 10. Let's start from verse 10 to 11. He says, and if Christ be in you, your body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of what? Because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So how many of you know that the spirit of Christ dwells in you? How many of you believe that? That the spirit of Christ dwells in you? He says, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, in us is... Uh, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also what? Shall also do what? Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that what dwells in you. How many of you believe that the spirit of God dwells in you? How many of you believe that? You believe that? All right. Now, the spirit of Christ dwells in you. So, when he was raised from the dead, he shows us a pattern that this is a model son. That the same thing that happened to him happened to us. Glory to God. The same thing that happened to Christ happen to us. So now look at let's go back to our John 3.16. It will make sense now. Let's go back to our John 3.16 where we first read. John 3.16. Let's go back there. John 3.16. It says for God so loved the world that he gave what his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not what perish but have everlasting life. So when you sacrifice something, when you it refers to Jesus. So when it says whosoever, look at what, what is going on. Let's look at the thought pattern. Let's start from verse 15. Whosoever believeth in him should whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 16, it now says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what did God do? God sacrificed the son in Christ Jesus to die for us and he gave his only begotten son when? When did he give his only begotten son? I wonder if you can 
and guess that when did you think he gave his only begotten son on the cross he gave his only begotten son on the cross so when he gave his only begotten son on the cross he shows us so when he says for god so loved the world how did he love the world he gave his only begotten son on the cross that whosoever believeth in him, believes in his redemptive sacrifice, believe that he died, he was buried, he rose again for our sins. Whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, we, so you will go back to, when, so what's, John 3.16 was showing us that Jesus died for our sins. I don't know if you believe Jesus died for your sins. He died for your sins. He died for our sins. Let's go to 1 John 4, 9. 1 John 4, 9. It's going to be clear again. 1 John 4, 9. 1 John 4, 9. Are you bored already? <laughs> 1 John 4, 9. 1 John 4, 9. It says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that what we might live through him. It says the same is only begotten son into the world that we might what live through him. So the sacrifice of Jesus was for our sins. The sacrifice of Jesus was for our sins. So why did Christ die? Why did Christ come to become a man? He came to pay the sacrifices what for our sins. So the love of God was seen on the cross because Jesus took my place. Say that to yourself. Say, Jesus took my place. Jesus took my place. You're not saying it like you mean it. Jesus took my place. Jesus took my place. So, yeah, he took your place. So what he did, the love of God was seen on the cross because he took my place. He took my place. You read in Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. It says... What shall we then see? How many of you are there? Let's see. I'll wait for you. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. Romans 8, verse 31 to 32. It says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be what? Against us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him give us all things? So, Jesus took my place. The love of God was seen on the cross. And it is by Jesus taking our place. So, the first thing he did when he came as a man was to identify with us. So, when he came as a man, you know, how many years did he live? He lived for about 30, 33 years and a half. So, for the first, for those years, what was he doing? He was identifying with himself with us. Jesus was tempted. Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says he was tempted with all feelings of, he was as a man tempted with all temptations and he bears the feelings of our humanities. Hebrews 4 verse 15, he was tempted as a man, but yet he didn't fall. You can read in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he was tempted, but yet he didn't fall. But he showed us his humanity. He showed us that he was a man. Yes, he was God, but yes, he was a man. He identified with us as a man. You read in um, you read in First Peter two verse twenty two to twenty three. First Peter two verse twenty two to twenty three. 
You read in that 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, He became sin for us, so that he who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, 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 don't forget that we are still studying the gift of eternal life, but we are walking through a process, right? We're walking through a process. So it says he became what? So when who is there? It says he became sin for us. He who knew no sin, so that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in Christ. Praise God. So he became sin for us. So he was on the cross for you. How many of you believe that now? He was on the cross for you. So Jesus was punished for you so that you would be punished. He went through those torments of hell. He went through those pains. He went through those beatings just for your sake, so that you would not be punished. He was on the cross for you. Jesus has been punished for you. So you won't be punished for sins. How many of you believe that? You can't be punished for sins because he took that. The Bible says he became sin for us. He who knew no sin. Who was that person who knew no sin? Jesus, right? In he who knew no sin, so that you might believe the righteousness of God in Christ. Glory to God. So he became sin for us. How many of you believe that that's what he did for you? He became sin for us. He who knew no sin. So you can't be punished for sins because he took it away. Glory to God. He took sins away. So he took sins for you. So God can punish you for sins. You can't be punished for sin. He went to hell because of me. Glory to God. He went to hell because of me just so that I would experience it. So he went through those torments. He went through those torture just so that you and I wouldn't experience it. How many of you believe that? That's what he did for us. So he went on the cross so that you and I won't, do, won't go there. He went to hell so that you and I won't go there. And all he seeks for us is that just we believe in the redemptive sacrifice and we are saved. Glory to God. Glory to God. So it became sin for us so that you won't be saved. So that you won't be a sinner. He went to hell just because of us. He was punished for sins just because of us. So if you are born again and anyone is talking to you about hell, he is not talking to you. If you are born again and you hear any preacher telling you, oh, you're going to go to hellfire. No, you won't go. You won't go to hellfire. He has gone there for you. You won't go to hell again. Because he went there for you so that you can be saved. You are no longer a sinner the very moment you become born again, the very moment you believe in Christ. You are, no longer born, you are no longer a sinner, but you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not saying it like you mean it. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That is what you are. So it became sin for you just so that he can become, you can become the righteousness of God in Christ. So no one tell anyone telling you you're going to go to hell. No, you're not going to go to hell. You are seated in Christ Jesus. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 6. Somebody open them. Ephesians 2 6. Ephesians 2 6. Glory to God. Ephesians 2 6. Ephesians 2 6. Ephesians 2 6. I would like you to read it, everybody. Let's read it together. Ephesians 2 6. Let's read it together. Ephesians 2 6. I'll wait for you. Ephesians 2 6. What did he say? And I raised us up together. He has raised us up together. And made us sit together. And he has made us sit together in heavenly places. In heavenly places. In Did you see that in your scripture? 
Do you see that in your Bible? He has raised you together. So where are you seated now? Where are you seated? Where are you seated? Where are you seated? In Christ. Yeah, sure. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you going to leave that position? No. Because he has, he, that is what he has done for you to be, to be able to acquire or to be able to be in that position. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, you know, there are three kinds of preaching people do. They preach from Mount Sinai, they preach from Mount Zion, they preach from, uh, they tell you, you still have, I don't know if you've heard messages where people tell you, you have to cry, you have to confess your sins, you have to, you have to fast, you have to pray for God to forgive you. I don't know if you heard those things growing up. I don't know if you, you didn't hear that. Oh, <laughs> I grew up hearing those things. People would tell me, I have to cry, I have to, I have to fast, I have to pray just so that Jesus will forgive me my sins. No, I don't have to do that. He did all of those things for my sake. Glory to God. He did all of those things just so that I can be free from the shackles of sins, from the shackles of pain, from the shackles of sickness, from the shackles of death. He did all of those things just so that I can be free. Hallelujah. So, and you know, there are different kinds of preachings. People tell you, oh, you have to do something. It's not of your works. That's why you read in that Ephesians. If you go backtrack to Ephesians 2 verse 5, look at it, 2 verse 5. Is that 2 verse 5? Mm-hmm. Is this not of works, right? No, okay, it's verse yes. 8. Verse 8? Yes, for says, by grace. For yes, by yes. grace you are saved, not of works, lest any man short should boast. Glory to God. Yes. So, the teaching of the New Testament is what Christ has done for you. The teaching of the New Testament is what Christ has done for you. And another kind of preaching is where people mix works and the mixture of the two. They mix the, the law, they mix the grace together. No, you don't do that. <laughs> That's even actually the worst kind of preaching where they tell you, oh, you can do this, you can do that. No. <laughs> so in salvation, you receive. You receive what he has given you receive what he has given. You see, let's go back to that John 3.16. We are in John 3.16. Our context is John 3.16. Let's go back there. We'll see it now. It makes sense. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but it should have everlasting life. So in salvation we receive. We receive what he has given us. He that is saved is saved from damnation. We are saved from the punishment of sins. We are saved from this punishment and the torment of sins. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that we say, it says, He that believeth on me will not perish. How many of you believe you are not going to perish? You can't perish again. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the fact of what God has done in Christ Jesus for you. You can't perish because you are saved. Glory to God. You are saved. You have an everlasting life. How many of you believe that? Your everlasting life is not going to happen in in the future. It's happening now. It's happening now. The very moment you get saved. When did you get saved? Romans 10 verse 8. It says the word is 90 even. The word will preach. It says when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus you shall be saved. So the very minute you believe the gospel. The very minute you believe that Christ died for your sins, the very minute you believe in the redemptive sacrifice of Christ, that very minute you are saved. 
And that very moment you have passed from death to life. That very minute you, Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 13, it says, He translated us from the kingdom of darkness. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, sorry, and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Glory to God. So we're translated from a kingdom, we're delivered from the kingdom of darkness, and we are moved into the kingdom of light. Glory to God. Glory to God. So when we are saved, we are saved. So when we understand that, we need to understand that we have eternal life. Don't forget what is the topic of what we are studying, the gift of eternal life. So the very minute a man is saved, he has eternal life. Eternal life is a possession. Eternal life is life absolutely. A life that knows no sickness. A life that knows no darkness. A life that will live forever. I don't know if you believe that you're going to live forever. You know, I, I used to ask people a question, do you believe in life after death? And I asked somebody a question sometimes, and I said, do you believe in life after death? And the person said, um, no, I asked the person, I think last week, and I was chatting with the person on Twitter, and I asked the person, I said, do you believe in eternal life? Do you believe in life after death? He said, no, I don't care. Once I die, I die, and I don't want to know what's going to happen after. I don't know if you believe there's a life after death. <laughs> but there is something after death. So, but we, one assurance we have as believers is that we have an eternal life. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that when we close our eyes, that is when we die, we are actually sleeping as believers. So when we die, we live forever. But it's someone who doesn't believe the gospel who is going to perish. But that is not our state. Glory to God. Because we have believed the gospel. We have passed from death to life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we need to understand that we have internal life. And internal life is received year on earth. Internal life is received year on earth. You will see, I mean, if you remember what happened to Adam in Genesis 3 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. I mean, if you remember the story of what happened to Adam. I don't know if you know the story. Of what happened to Adam, where he chose the tree, where he was given a choice of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he didn't choose life, he chose death. Adam chose death. That was his choice. And that's what happens to everyone today. Everyone has the free gift, everyone has a choice to choose and to choose whether to choose death or to choose life. So the very minute a man believes the gospel, he has chosen life. Glory to God. He chose life, and that is an eternal life. So eternal life is received here on earth. It's received here on earth. It is the life of God. Some people call it the zoe of God, the unchanging life of God, the eternal life of God. Say, eternal life is mine today. Eternal life is mine today. I can't hear you. Say, the eternal life is mine today. Glory to God. So it is a proof of your salvation. Look at John 5, verse 26. John 5, verse 26. John 5, verse 26. John 5, verse 26. It says, For as many, for as the Father, sorry, it says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Wow. So eternal life is mine today. It is a proof of salvation. You don't get eternal life at death. No, you get eternal life now. It is a proof of your salvation. Eternal life is yours now. So look at John 10, verse 31. John 10. We'll actually start from verse 29. John 10. Look at John 10. John 10. 
Look at John 10, verse 29. It says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man shall be able to pluck them out of my Father's house, out of my Father's hands. Look at verse 28. Look at verse 28. It says, And I give unto them what? And he gave unto them what? Eternal so what has he given you upon salvation? Eternal life. He has given you eternal life. And they shall never what? Perish. You're not saying it. Right? And they shall never what? Perish. They shall never perish. And neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. So what did Jesus give you upon salvation? Eternal, eternal life. Because you can never perish. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. So eternal life is eternal security. In Christ. Internal life is internal security in Christ. You are beyond the reach of Satan when you have internal life. You are beyond the reach of the devil when you have internal life. You are beyond the reach of the adversaries, the enemies, when you have internal life. Look at 1 John 5. 1 John 5, verse 9 to 12. I mean, if you are understanding something, let me see your hands if you understand something. All right. The way I'm, I'm not going to bore you. I'm going to finish very soon. <laughs> First John verse five. First John five. First John five. Verse nine to twelve. First John five. Verse nine to twelve. First John five. Verse nine to twelve. It says, I'm "Sorry." It says, "If we receive the witnesses of men." Uh, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, for he has testified in the Son. Look at verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in, itself, in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar, for because he believeth not in the record that God gave his Son. Look at the record. And this is the record that God hath given us what? And this is the record that God has given in verse 11. And God has given us what? Eternal life. And this life is in his son. Look at verse 12. And he that has the son at life. And he that has not, and he that has not the son of God at not life. So eternal life is in you now. Eternal life is in you now. Eternal life is in you now. Because any man who believes the gospel is as internal life. We are internally in the hands of God. Glory to God. We are internally in the hands of God. And no man can pluck me out of his hands. Say, no man can pluck me out of his hands. No, no man, man can pluck me out of his hands. Glory to God. Look at Romans 8 verse 9. 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 But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be it that the spirit of God dwell in you, dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Because you have the spirit of Christ. A man who has believed the gospel has the indwelling of the spirit within him. 
you read it. So a man who, so, and you know, you are called a saint. The Bible calls us in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, he calls us a saint. And saint are those who are saved. You know, there is this, how many of you had this misconception going on that saints are those who are dead? I don't know if you had those, that misconception going on. But actually, in the scriptures, the Bible refers to us as saints. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. We are not going to be saints when we die. We are, we are already saints the very moment we become born again. Look at 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, and to them which are sanctified, in our says, in Christ Jesus, called to be what? to be saints in every place upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So we are saints. Saints are not perfect people. They only have a perfect Savior. Glory to God. Saints are not perfect people. They only have a perfect Savior. So we are saints now because we have believed the gospel. We have believed the gospel. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says for the perfecting of the saints. So when we study God's word the more, as we feed on God's word and we renew our mind, we are getting more matured as saints. That's why Paul says, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 11, he gave gifts to men, uh, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for what? The perfecting of the saints. So Christ is in you now. And Christ is in you now. And you have the life of God in you now. John 10, 10. Look at John 10, 10. John 10, 10. John 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. It says, The thief cometh not, but to steal and to keep or to destroy. Where I have come, that they may have life and they may have it more what? Abundantly. So when you receive the life of God, you are complete in Christ. Everyone who has believed the gospel has the life of God. So it is called the free gift of eternal life. How is it free? Because God in Christ Jesus made it available for us. He made it available for us upon the resurrection. The very minute he rose from the dead, he made eternal life available for everyone. Colossians 2 verse 9 and 10. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 10. Colossians 2. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 10. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 10. It says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the heir of all principalities and power. So you are complete in Christ. When you have life, you are complete. Glory to God. You have life, you are complete. You are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. You know, you are already what God wants you to be. You are not going to be what God wants you to be. The very minute you become born again, the very minute you receive the gospel, the very minute you believe the gospel, you became what God wants you to be hallelujah glory to god you became what god wants you to be that is why you have his nature his nature you have his life you have his internal nation you have his internal life dwelling in you you are not going to receive it later you already receive it the day you got born again glory to god so you have the internal life in you 
You have the eternal nature of God in you. You have the abiding presence of God in you. You have the eternal nature of His Spirit in you. You have His. You are complete in Christ. You are not going to be complete later on. You are already complete. So you have the fullness of God in you. Glory to God. You have the fullness of God dwelling in you already. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are already what God wants you to be. You are already what God wants you to be. You are not going to be what He wants you to be. You are already what God wants you to be now. Oh, glory to God. So the life of God is in you now. The life of God is in you now. And that is an eternal life. What does it mean to have an eternal life? It means an everlasting life. An unending life. Don't you think, don't, I don't know if this blows your mind like it does to me. We are going to live forever. Wow. We are not going to see anything called death. We are not going to see anything called, oh, I'm dead. No, it's not going to be in our nature anymore. It's not going to be in our record anymore. Oh, glory to God. That's, that should cause us to be more excited. I am going to live forever. Wow. You know, eternal life means ageless life. Where age doesn't count, time isn't counting, but we are just going to live forever. I'm just going to be seeing you forever. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So you, you got a sister, you got a friend, you got everyone. Preach the gospel to them because you want to see them forever. Any man who has believed the gospel, he has to believe. Anyone who has believed the gospel is going to live forever. But you saw it in John 3 16. Whosoever is not whosoever is not saved will perish. So anyone who hasn't believed the gospel will not have eternal life. So you want someone, you want to see someone forever? Preach the gospel to the person. Let them believe the gospel. That is how it works. I want to see you forever. That's why I'm preaching to you today. <laughs> oh you to God. Oh you to God. You believe the gospel. See, I believe the gospel. I believe the gospel. And I live forever. And I live forever. Glory to God. First John 4, 17. First John 4, verse 17. First John 4, verse 17. First John 4, verse 17. It says, Wherein is our love made perfect? We are that we may, we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are what? So are we in this world. As he is, Christ, God isn't dying, right? God isn't dying. God has internal, Jesus has internal life. So as he is over there, so are we in this world. Glory to God. Glory to God. First Corinthians 6 verse 17. First Corinthians 6 verse 17. First Corinthians 6 verse 17. The gift of internal life. First Corinthians 6 verse 17. He says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. So he say, I'm one spirit with the Lord. One spirit with the Lord. Do you believe that? <laughs> Do you believe that? I'm one spirit with the Lord. Do you believe that? I am one spirit with the Lord. Glory to God. So when you are born again, you have God's life in you. You have God's nation in you. Christianity is not a religion. No, it is not a religion. It is the divine life of God in you. Christianity is not a religion. It's the divine life of God in you. Christianity expresses God in you. Have God the life of God in me. Glory to God. Have God the life of God in me. 
I've got the life of God in me. Christianity is not a religion. It's just, it is the divine life of God in you. Romans 8 verse 9. 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 But ye are not of the flesh. But ye are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of it. I've got the spirit of God in me. I've got the spirit of God in me. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. So, and when you have the life of God, it's a life of health. It doesn't have, internal life doesn't have sickness in it. Internal life doesn't have COVID-19 in it. <laughs> no, we're not living those times where we have to say the word. It doesn't have sickness in it. It doesn't have diseases in it. Internal life means the life of God in you, the life of his divine nature in you. So when you have eternal life, you have the nature of God in you. And it's a nature that refuses to be sick. It's a nature that refuses to be to have any sickness, every, any diseases in it. So there is no sickness in the divine nature of God. I have eternal life in me. There is no sickness in the divine nature of God. So if you have any sickness in your body, you can be healed. If you have anyone who is sick in their body, you can heal them. You can pray for them and you can heal them. Because internal life has no, has no medical condition in it. Because it says, as he is over there, so are we in this world. Is God sick? Is Jesus sick? No. So that shows we can't be sick. Because it says, as he is over there, so are we in this world. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. So eternal life has no sickness in it. It is the nature of God in you. It is the spirit of God in you. You are a partaker of the divine nature. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. You are seated with him where he is. That is the nature of Christ in you. So I've got the nature of God in me. And sicknesses can't stay in my body. Diseases can't stay in my body. COVID-19 can't stay in my body. Glory to God. Yes. Glory to God. Glory to God. So if you are having any pain in your body, it can be healed by the power of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you have anyone who is sick of anything, it can be healed by the power of God. Because internal life has no sickness in it. Internal life has no, has no pains in it. Internal life has no medical condition in it. Thank you, Father. So any sicknesses can be healed by the power of God. I don't know if you believe in healing, in the healing power of God. You believe in healing power of God, it can be healed. So we speak to every sicknesses now. We speak to every pains now. We say in the name of Jesus, it is healed. In the name of Jesus. We say every sickness, every medical condition is healed in the name of Jesus. Because the internal nature of God has no sickness in it. Has no pains in it. So now let's go back to our text, John 3.16. It's going to make sense to you now. Let's go back there. John 3.16. And I'm rounding up now. Eternal life is a life of glory. Look at John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world. Does it make sense to you now? How did the love is world, the world? He gave. What did, how did he give? He gave us himself on the cross, right? He gave us himself on the cross. And so if I believe in him, you believe in the redemptive sacrifice, you believe in the price he has paid, you believe that he has died for your sins and he has shed his blood for you, 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, It became sin so that you and I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when you did that, it was a substitutionary sacrifice. He did that so that we can have eternal life. And it says, Whosoever believes in it would not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Have you believed the gospel? Are you going to perish? Are you going to perish? Do you want somebody to perish? Do you want somebody around you to perish? So what are you going to do? You're going to preach the gospel, right? You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to make them understand that I love you so much, I don't want you to perish. <laughs> and that is why I'm preaching to you. I'm going to let you know that the gospel is the saving power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And every man who believes the gospel is saved. Every man who believes the gospel has passed from death to life. Every man who believes the gospel is saved and he has everlasting life. So the very minute you preach the gospel, what do they have? Eternal life. Eternal life. Glory to God. The very minute you preach the gospel and they believe the gospel, they have eternal life. Just as you have, they have an eternal life. And they are not going to see sickness. They are not going to have death again. They are going to live forever. Glory to God. Isn't God awesome? Isn't God awesome? Just thank Him this evening. Just bow your heads and just worship Him and just thank Him for what He has done. Thank Him for the sacrifice. Just wherever you are, just worship Him and just thank Him for what He has done. Thank Him for the eternal life. It is a life of glory. It is a life of power. It is not a life of defeat. It is not a life of sickness. It is not a life of disease. It is not a life of pain. It is not a life of problems. It is not a life of death. It is not a life of of troubles is the life of glory is the life of power is is an eternal life just thank him where you are you are just thank him just just thank him and just worship him and just honor him and just thank him is a life of glory is a life of power is a life of honor is a life of his divine nature in us is a life of his divine nature in us we have passed from death to life we are partakers of his nature. We are partakers of his divine nature. We are partakers of his divine nature. Partakers of his divine nature. We have the indwelling of the Spirit abiding in us. And no one can pluck us out of his hands. No one, no one entirely can pluck us out of his hands because we are saving his hands. I'm saving his hands. I'm saving his hands. Say that, say that to yourself. Say, I'm saving your hands. I'm saving your hands, Lord Jesus. I'm saving your hands, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God.